So my subject is unwavering faith. We need it right now. Uh, you can see me on a cane. I'll explain all that. See, God does heal, but there are reasons why the healing doesn't manifest right away. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about some of that. But let's go to Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. And this, uh, these verses are referring to Abraham. Uh, verse 17 says, As it is written, this is Father God talking to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, this is talking about Abraham, and you can get an idea about healing or about getting your promise met with what Abraham went through. Because remember, God gave him the promise when he was 75 years old. But he didn't receive the promise until he was 100 years old. So when you believe in God for something, don't give up. It takes time. He had to go through a lot of stuff before he really realized that he was going to be the father of many nations. So it's a fight to get to where uh, God wants you to be into where you want to be in Christ, but you have to be willing to fight that good fight of faith. That's why it says fight the good fight of faith because you win. But it's a fight. And so that's why he said, and not being weak in faith, but it looked like it took a while. He was weak there for a while, already dead. But that's when he finally reached his, uh, the height of his faith, where he could receive the blessing of God. So you might not have to wait 25 years. You will get it in time. Just don't give up. Hold fast to your confession of faith. That was going to be my next scripture. Uh, so I won't turn to it. You can write it down, though. Hebrews 10, 23, which says, Hold fast to your confession of hope or faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. So that's what you got to remember when you're going through stuff. Life is not without challenges. It's not without temptations, trials, and tests. But God will see you through them all. So what is faith? I know you already know this, but I just want to give you a little review. Uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's go there right quick. Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith? Uh, verse, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance. Substance means tangibility, materiality of things hoped for, the evidence or proof of things not seen. So when you have your faith, you don't have the, th your, uh, the thing that you believe in God for in manifestation. You have to believe, in, when you're standing in faith, you have to believe you got what you're believing for before you get it. In other words, you, gotta, you have to be, believe you got it before you get it and just hold fast to that confession of faith until it manifests. That was one of the things I went through when I had the cancer attack. And it took me almost two years to get through that. But from the moment when I got the attack, I used Mark 11, 24, which says, therefore, I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, to believe that you receive them, when you pray, 
Believe that you receive them when you pray. Believe that you receive them. It says, and then you will have them. And so that's what I did for uh, almost two years. I stood on the word confessing every day. Thank you, Father. I believe that I am healed. I didn't look like I was healed. I didn't feel like I was healed, but I believe it. All you have to do is believe it, and then you'll get it. So, so sometimes it's easier. It's easier to say you are healed, but from the God's standpoint, you are healed. But until you get the manifestation, you believe what God says, so you believe you're healed. So that's why I confess that totally until the manifestation came. And that was a kind of trial, but God brought me here. That was like 28 years ago. So thank God for that. <clears throat> thank you. So also, um, Romans 10, 17 says, and uh, these, I'll just read them because you probably already know them. I'll just quote them. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you should never get tired of hearing the word of God. Some people get tired. And it's a new day now when everybody wants something new. But you know God's word is always new. It's never old. So if you just believe God and don't look at what you see, stand on his word, trust God with all your heart, as it says in Proverbs 5, 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding because you can understand what you're going through at given times. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And so we got to remember faith comes by hearing. So don't ever get tired of hearing the word, hearing the word. Don't get tired, and people do. And second, when a lot of times I guess the word can condemn them, condemn them of some things they may be doing and they don't want to stop doing. But it's better to learn to stop doing it and, and be obedient to the word. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. It means we walk by the word of God and not by what we see or feel. Because the word covers everything that we need as Christians to live a fulfilled life. It's revealed in God's word. So that's why I never get tired of it. I never get tired of it. Uh, I just did um, Mark 11:24. So write those scriptures down. Then 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, which says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And then verse 15 says, if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So it goes right along with Mark 11, 24. You know you don't have the petitions in your little hot hand right now, but you have to believe you, believe you have them because the word of God says you do. So it all gets back to the word, and you have to be willing to stand and haven't done all to stand. So you have to, you have to live this unwavering faith. You can't waver in it. And, uh, and if you do, quickly Ask God to forgive you and keep on going. Uh, yeah, because forgiveness, that's the thing. Forgiveness, you have to give. Uh, this is a, one of the things that we need as Christians to uh, forgive ourselves and to forgive others. Uh, 1 John 1, 1.9 says, I'm, I'm going to go and let you turn to it. You probably already know it, but, and I know them already. So, But I'll read them for you because faith comes by hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I know there's teaching going around now that says you don't have to confess your sins, but the Bible says you do, and so you better do what God says and not want to get out the easy way and, and just do whatever you want to do and don't even have to ask forgiveness and go and keep living your life. That's a... That's the end of a going nowhere. <laughs> so you really have to, and because this word never gets old. But, and that's what I like about God. He's so wonderful. If you make a mistake or you make a wrong choice, 
He has this in his word. And that's what's so wonderful about it. Why wouldn't we want to do that? So if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and then to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And in more places than one, God says he will not remember your sins or transgressions anymore. I know Hebrews 8.12 says it. So if God doesn't uh, remember them, then why would you remember them? He wouldn't want you to remember them. He just wants you to stop doing them. Repent. But then he doesn't remember that you ever sinned. So, so you have to do the same thing. Many times we've made mistakes, such as mistakes of the past, adultery, or fornication, bad marriage, abused as a child. Get rid of all of this or your faith cannot work. See, if you, if you don't forgive or walk in unforgiveness, then your faith can't work. Anytime you're holding stuff against somebody, I don't care what they've done to you, you can't afford to hold it against them. You just have to forgive them. I mean, you don't have to go in their yard, as my husband says, uh, where the dog will bite. You don't have to get in the bed with them, but you do have to forgive them. And it's, it's, it's such a good feeling inside to know that you don't have anything against anybody. So because of, you know, because of the faith that God has provided for us, he's provided this forgiveness. Another thing he's provided is peace. One of my favorite verses, I'm going to quote a couple, write these down because I don't, I don't think I have all the time in the world. Uh, John 14, 27, Jesus is speaking. He says, in me, no, oh, he says, my peace I leave with you. Uh, John 14, 7, my peace I leave unto you. Not as the world, no, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if you remember that this peace he's given to you, you have to, rot, you have to believe that you're at peace and whatever is around you, you still have to give that to God and know that God's going to bring you through the situation. So I think I'm going to return that. I don't think I quoted it properly. I know lots of scriptures and I keep on going, but I... I have to slow down. If my husband was here, he would say, slow down. Uh, John, do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So when you're going through something, remember you have the peace of God. And you can't look at what you see. You have to look at what you believe again. Also, um, John 16, That's just a couple of pages over. Uh, Jesus was speaking again. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So when you're walking in Jesus' peace, you know you're going to come out all right. I heard a story a long time ago of a man that said he was going to fast until we had peace in the world. And you know what happened to him? He ended up dying because peace is always going to be in the world. He says in the world there's tribulation. So you have this, all of the terrible stuff in the world. But you have to not look at it and just thank God we know God. And, and because we know God, we are, we're overcomers. So no matter what you're going through, God is there to take you through that situation. Now, 1 Peter 5, 7, write that down. That's one of my favorites that I use all the time. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So if you believe that he cares for you, you give the care whatever you're uh, going through whatever temptations, trials, and tests that you're faced with, you give that care to God. Because that's what I have to do. We have to do. We've gone through many in these 64 years. But I'm here to tell you God has brought us through them all. And even what we're going through now, I just see the end of it. God just brought us. He, he will bring the manifestation of my, this is what happened with me, my back. That's why I have the cane. I picked up something too heavy. So we can't just go doing stuff that's wrong, that that's disobeys a law anywhere. God can't just come and pick you up and you just disobey the law. 
And so I picked a chair up and the table, and I, I broke two discs in my back. So that's, that's why I have, the, I have the cane. But it's not stopping me. So <laughs> that's right. I will let nothing stop me. I'll just crawl in and go until, <laughs> until uh, it's over. And I'm going to be a fighter until it's over. <clears throat> now, so see, it's, it's faith has provided the forgiveness, the peace, now also provisions. Uh, look at Luke 6. Oh, I know. Oh, no, don't, turn, don't go yet. I left out one of my favorite scriptures for uh, peace, Philippians 4, 6. I love that one the best of all. And I think I use it every time I teach. So turn to that, Philippians 4, 6. Okay. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says to be anxious for nothing. That word anxious means to not worry or be distracted by nothing. He says, so be anxious for no thing or nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be, ma be made known unto God. So if you do that, the way you can tell you've done that and you've given this to God and, and, um, and you're not anxious for nothing or you're not worrying, verse 7 will come into play. It says, and if you do this, do what verse 6 says. It says, and verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that's how you will know when you have actually done what God said, not worry about anything, given all your cares and stuff to him, then you will experience his peace in the midst of what you're going through because you know that God's going to bring you through that. So he's going to bring you through all kinds of, all, he will bring you through anything that you're going through. And he has a word for you on whatever you're going through at a given time. But you've got to believe his word. You've got to believe his word is alive and his word is talking to you. That way you can go no matter what you face. We faced a lot since in these years, the things that we've gone through as pastors. It seems like it's a, such a beautiful life, and it is a beautiful life, but you have an enemy out there in this warfare. So the devil doesn't like the stuff that you do. And we had to go through things. Another thing that attacked my husband when he went through the the uh, ABC uh, thing that they did, they uh, was, you know, talking about ministers and accusing him of, of the money, and they took something out of context and uh, put that all on the air for the whole world to see, and it really affected him because he said, I live my life above reproach, and they messed it up in 10 minutes on, on the air. But anyway, we had to fight through it, and did God did bring him on top, bring him out on top. And... <clears throat> And he has, has a written report that they were wrong. So, but, uh, but look what we have to go through. But that's the devil. You have to go through stuff like that. And that was, it was hard on him. But anyway, that's just one of the things. So another thing that he's provided for us uh, is provision. So look at uh, Luke 6.38. And that's the thing that uh, we can go back and see how God rescued us from all of this because before we knew how to believe God, we were, we were poor. Uh, as the South said, I'm from the South, so you'll be able to tell that from some of my speech. Uh, Luke 6.38. It says, To give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, 
for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. So this is one of the things we use when we learn about giving. When we first came into a knowledge of the word of God, we had gone to a church before, and they didn't teach anything about faith or about the giving. You know, they used to have you you'd have a box of cards um, with envelopes, a box with envelopes in it, and you would just put in the envelopes anything you wanted, and mostly... Way back in my day, it was probably too far for you guys to think about, but we would put like a, a dollar, that was most people would give. They would put a dollar in their regular offering and 25 cents in the missionary offering. But now a dollar would probably be equal to $10 now that somebody might put in the offering and uh, something, something like that. And we thought we were really doing something, but we didn't really, we weren't using God's principles. So we learned the principle of tithing, and I understand now, you know, that tithing was under the old covenant, but... It doesn't have anything to do with your giving. If 10% was under the old covenant and God did all that for his people under the old covenant, what will he do for you if you give 10% and more under the new covenant? And so that's what we did, and that's how our provisions got to be where they were. Because once we find out how, what a wonderful God he is and how, what a blessing giving is, we started giving. We started at 10%. We learned about that. We started at 10%, and God just kept blessing us. So we went on up to 15%, to 20%, 25%, 30%. Now we give 40% away of all of our income. And it's just been a real, real blessing because you can do more uh, with 40%. The ministry can than with 10% or whatever. You just give to... I'm going to read it for you. You just give to the best of your ability. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But it's such a blessing to give, and I just thank God that we learned to do that. I mean, I always liked to give, but I didn't have anything to give. I didn't know how to get it, but God could tell you how to get it, see? <laughs> if we do it his way, but most people don't want to do it his way. They only want to go so far. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> I'm going to start reading at verse 6. It says, But this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that's what we were doing all those years. We were sowing sparingly, and we were reaping sparingly. But now since we've been sowing bountifully, we really reach bountifully. And it goes on to say, verse 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. You give as you purpose in your heart. But you should purpose to want to be a giver because there's no better blessing than being a giver. Amen. So he says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So that's what the giving is all about. So you would have an abundance for every good work. You can help people when they're needed. That's what the church is all about. Sometimes many people, thank God you have wonderful people that continue to come here, but a lot of people stop going to church now out of just selfishness and they can look at it on the internet. That is very selfish because you're not helping anybody. You can't help anybody in your house looking at the internet. You might have sister and brother at church that might need something. So you, you should make yourself available and you should want to be here for the fellowship because you won't know anything about anybody else's life if you don't participate in the things that's going on at a church. So that's what I'm praying for this millennials, these millennials, that they will be able to understand that. You have to be a part of somebody's life. And, and so you can't be a helper like that. And you can't really come and learn the word and get excited about the word. I think about, you know, we were had done without so long, hardly had anything for the first 17 years of our marriage. Like, well, like I shared with the man yesterday, mostly because my husband was really buying stuff at the wrong time and, and we didn't have any money left. But we didn't have that much anyway because we didn't know how to believe God. 
But once we learn how to believe God, it's just been the most blessing to me to be able to give and have it to give. And that came as a result of us giving the 40% away, starting with the 10%, and just continuing to give. You can always help somebody. That is the greatest joy in my life, is helping people. I, would, I could go in a store, I, I can hardly stand to see people in need, and I know that I like to give. I was in a store this, uh, one time in the grocery store, and this lady was uh, putting her groceries out on the counter. And every time the, uh, the guy, who's the guy that, the cashier, time the cashier would uh, write, would uh, count something, she would say, oh, I can't take it. She would say, take it back. And she just kept getting uh, her groceries taken away from her that she couldn't pay for. And I couldn't stand it. I was behind her. I just, I just couldn't stand it. And I, I had to check me and see if it's me or, you know, if it's God. Then I decided, no. I said, take all of her stuff back and give it to her, and I'll pay for it. That's the kind of stuff you do when you have been a giver, and God will give stuff back to you. You can always help somebody. And that is, that's the thing I do with my whole salary, my husband. Just think, I didn't have nothing. That was first 17 years of our marriage. You have to do the counting. I was way back. I didn't have anything, but now... I, he allows me, and I don't have to give nothing to the house. I can do whatever I want with my check, my salary, a year, and I give it away. I find needs. But I, I, I had to learn not to let people just take advantage of me because they know that I do it. I pray about it, but I really like to help people that's in need because when I was down and I had nobody to help me, I, I never forgot it. So I, never, I have never forgotten where I came from. So I love to help people. And so the giving and, and the provisions that God has provided because of his word is the reason why I can do it. Because I don't mind. He says, give not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I do give cheerfully, and God has always brought it back to me. Sometimes I didn't know where, you know, where I was going to get money back to do some things that I need. Because I'll give it all away. In my purse, I will not have another dime. I will have given the last thing away until I could go back to the bank and get some more money. But that's what I like to do. So... So God's word is a blessing. Now, you know what? I don't see a clock. I don't know what's, what's, what, how much time do I have? Oh, I'm sorry. I can't see, huh? I, I, wasn't, looking, I wasn't looking down there. Okay, that's, that's good. That's a good time. Okay. All right. Okay, now another provision we have to, and, uh, to keep our faith going is healing. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So healing is a oppression from the devil. So, but God wanted you healed. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, a portion of that scripture says, and with his stripes we were healed. And I want to read the one, Matthew. I, it's a lot of them, so I know I can't do them all. But let's look at Matthew 15, 30. This is the one I used for myself. So I thought I would share this one with you. Matthew 15:30. Okay. Okay, are you there? Okay, verse 30 says, Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, or crippled, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So I use this scripture for me since I've been crippled a little while. So I remind him that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he healed all those people in his day. So I believe I received my healing. 
So that, this is how I do it. Okay, and then, uh, well, I just quoted Hebrews 13, 7, which says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So now we can go on. There's more to uh, our believing God and, and using our faith. Uh, we, we use our faith on our family. Go to Psalm, let me see which one do I want to start at. Let's do Ephesians. I read that one yesterday to the men, but you weren't there. Ephesians chapter 5. It's an awesome, awesome life. I wouldn't exchange this life for anything. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21. I'll, I'll, I'll just follow. Um, it started at uh, verse 22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And uh, I brought this out yesterday because verse 21 says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Because so many men, they like that word submit. And sometimes that's all they know in the Bible is the wife's supposed to submit to me. <laughs> so so we, we want to always remind them that verse 21 says we're to submit to each other. Anyway, it goes on to say, For the... For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And some people took the thing about the head of the man being the head, and they think that's too much power for him. Sometimes the women have problems with that. And sometimes it's true when the man is the head that he's to dictate to you and dominate you and all that. It does not mean that at all. So just do it the way God says, uh, and you'll come out all right. Verse uh, 24 says, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be... Be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So if the husband loves the wife as Christ loved the church, he will not mistreat her because Christ does not mistreat his church. So that's what you always have to remember. So, men, you need to work on that if you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, he says, so, uh, look at verse 27. I'm going to skip the other one. It says that he, go to uh, verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and not mistress, and the two shall become <laughs> one flesh. <clears throat> but the Bible says... Verse 33 says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So see, if we would obey the Lord, we wouldn't have that many problems with our, you know, with our marriage and submitting to each other. Submitting to our husbands doesn't mean an inferior role for women. It doesn't mean that. But some, I guess some men have treated women where they felt they were inferior or dominated or not equal. That's a lot of that is going around now. I never did go through that. My husband didn't do me like that. Only, only because you, we have to know who you are in Christ, women. And that way you don't have to be continuing fussing and fighting and arguing. I never did do any of that. You want to argue by yourself. But I'm going to... <laughs> But what I will do, I, and, and you're there because you're his helper, and you can see some stuff that he can't see that could help him. And so when we, if we don't agree on some things, I'll just, uh, I'm not going to fuss with him and say I'm right and go through all of that. What I'll do is I'll just let him think he's right, and then I really, this is really true. 
I'll go and ask God. I'll go to pray. I'll say, God, you know I'm right. So you talk to him. <laughs> so, and it works. That's why I never had the problem <laughs> with my husband dominating me. Just give it to God. It's as simple as that. But you have to make sure you're right or do you want to get... Now, I'm not saying I'm always right. I don't mean that. But when I am right, we need to do it my way. So, <laughs> all right. So when it talks about um, submitting to our husband does not mean an inferior role. It is that God operates in order. The man is the head of the family. Christ Jesus is equal with God, yet submissive and responsive to him. So submission does not mean that anything goes in a house, anything that a man wants to do. No. It just means you, you need to be in line with the word of God and get in agreement with what you're going to do in your life or what are you going to discuss or what are you going to have going on right now. I mean, there could be a number of things. I got things here that, you know, people go through. That's why I said submission doesn't mean anything that goes like pornography and maybe beating the children. Now, you might need to, you might need to spank the child. I know this is another day when they don't believe in spanking, but... Uh, there's a lot of scripture that tells you if you beat him with a rod, he won't die. So I'm, I'm going to let you write these scriptures down because, and you know, the way society is now and, and, and children can call the police on their parents and stuff like that, or they go to school and the teacher see a bruise and, and uh, she'll send them, send them to the principal and they'll call the, the, um, the officers on them or the police department or whatever. And then, so I said this, because, you know, the, they're not that interested in you. Society's not that interested in you. They want you to not train your children so they can put them in jail later on. So I said, <clears throat> I said, if the child needs a spanking, do it. And if he gets a bruise, leave him at home until the bruise heals up. <laughs> And so, it, it works, it works, it works, it works. Look down at Ephesians um, chapter 6, uh, chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. We're talking about family right in this particular time. It says, uh, Hebrews 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And you have to teach them to do that. They won't automatically know how to do that. It says, To honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So many times parents are, are too hard on their children. And so I learned this way back. Um, we were never that hard. We, would, we, would, we wouldn't be hard like some Christians. They get to be too hard and they don't want their kids to listen to a certain kind of music. Or I, I mean, I don't say listen to rock or, or, or just music that's just you know, degrading or something like that. But in a day and time when they are children, they like a certain kind of thing. And when, if you leave them alone, it says uh, in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, but now I'm grown, so I don't do those kinds of things anymore. Let your children be children. We had people that come into our church and they were just so holy. They don't want their kids to look at anything but Christian television. And I remember one lady, she fixed her TV up so the kids could not look at nothing. And you end up losing your kids at 16 
And one of the child, the child went out and got pregnant. Was, I, I hated that home. I, I liked it better when I was in the world because of my, they weren't that hard on me. So, uh, be, so be careful how you raise your kids. Be, just think about children. Think about yourself even, not doing maybe getting into trouble, but thinking about stuff that you knew would not have bothered you and you don't have to be that hard on the kids, you know, tell them, you, you know, you can't do this, you can't listen to that music. I never like the music at all. I don't like any, probably any of it, because I don't have time to listen to my Christian music. But they like this regular music, and uh, they can go in their room and listen to it. Just don't blast it all over my house. But, but I'm not going to take all of this from you, because then you're going to go over to your friends, and I don't know what you're doing at your friend's house. So I always made rules like that, so we didn't, we, we had no problems with our kids. Raised all of them. I spanked them when they needed it. That doesn't mean you have to hurt them or, or, because anytime you carry a child for nine months, there's something wrong with you if you want to hurt them. But you do want to help them, like the Bible says, if they, they need help, you, whatever it takes to get them the help. Because, like I say, the police, they have those children. That's, that's what they're doing. They're bringing them to jail. That's why so many of our young men are in jail, because but they, you know, they want to take over your responsibility. And so we need to obey God no matter what. That's all I want to say. You can read all these scriptures. Write these down. Um, Hebrews, I mean, not Hebrews. Ephes I just read Ephesians. So write Proverbs 22, 6. Give you a few minutes. Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 22, 15. And Proverbs 23, 13. And if you do that, you will come out with wonderful kids. Now I'm on my... Last scripture, I want to read this one to you. Go to Psalm 112. Still about family. This was my favorite one with family, that's why. Psalm 112. This is the one I used to, and Frederick was the last child I had at home, so I spent more time with him. Uh, my girls, I spent other times, I didn't, hadn't, found this verse yet until uh, he was born, but the others, I trained them. They knew the 23rd Psalm when they were like two years old. <laughs> so, but this is the Psalm I used with uh, Frederick because I can remember he was the last one so vividly. He was like a blessing. I had him when I was 45 years old. So I know that was a God child. I mean, I had something to do with it, but, <laughs> 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 but I wasn't expecting any more kids. So anyway, and he has proven to be a, a, real, a real blessing. Anyway, it says, uh, Psalm, Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And so we have to be ones that fear the Lord. My husband and I, we fear the Lord, and we do delight greatly in his commandments. Then it goes on to say, His descendants or his seed will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And I used to teach these to, this one to Freddie all the time. Uh, verse 3 says, Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. In the rest of that verse, rest of that um, psalm, it is a beautiful psalm, and everything gives you, uh, gives you direction and correction uh, to know some things and know some things that you're not going to have to come up with. Maybe I'll go on and read the whole one. Uh, verse 4, I like, I like all of these verses. It says, Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. So if you're upright... And it, does, it looks dark now, there's light. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously, graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion, with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. 
He will not be afraid of evil tidings. When evil tidings come, if you're righteous, you won't be afraid. That's what I have to tell myself all the time. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn or strength will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and, be, and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. This is a good scripture for everything. And I used to teach my baby that every night I'd go in his room and we would have prayer and, and the word. And we were memorizing these scriptures. And he's, because his mind is sharp and younger, he could remember them better than I could. So uh, when we start uh, saying them, then I would have gotten some and he would go on and say them. So he was like six years old and we were at school and he wanted I needed to take him home so I could fix dinner, but he wanted to stay at school and play. And he was so upset with me. So he, I put him in the car, we put him in the car, and he was just crying, and I turned the radio up high so I couldn't hear him. <laughs> and then, then when he stopped crying, and I turned the radio down, he says, I don't want you for a mother anymore, and I'm never gonna help you with your scriptures. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> So it's fine with me. We're on the right track. <laughs> so, so anyway, so all of these are the things that, that I use in, in bringing up my children. And, uh, and, and we have proven uh, that it really works no matter what. I mean, my teenage daughter, Angela, I mean, loves God, loves the church, loves people. But when we first started, she wanted to have her way, like most teenagers. Ten, she was um, 14 years old. And uh, we, at that time, we had church morning and night, and we, had, we, we were going morning and night, but she decided when she was 14, I don't need to go to church but one time a day. So she decided I'm not gonna go this night, and so we were sitting in the car waiting for her, and she wouldn't go, and, and then my husband had to finally get out. He didn't spank her, but she needed, but she, she went on and, and wore stuff that we don't, we wear everything now, but in that day, we didn't wear jeans, jackets to church and everything, but she came out with this jean jacket on and, and uh, just taking her time. And I know he wanted to just do her up, but, he didn't, <laughs> but he, didn't, he didn't do it. He said, I don't care, let her be angry, whatever. She's going to church, I'm gonna train her the way I see, I think I know she should go. So she would go to church and our little church was really small and only he seated about 150 people. And she was in the back and she wouldn't take part in the service or anything. She was just up there with her mouth stuck out all through the service. But, it's helped to make her do what she was, what was right to do because she runs our ministry totally and she's, she can take care of everybody. She loves the people. I mean, all of the stuff we're going through now, my husband's going through this attack on his body. She can take care of ev everything, take care of anything that's needed. And that's because you put stuff in your kids and spanking them is not gonna make them not like you. You spank them if you need to. It's not, my kids love me. But that's because I, I'm not going to abuse them, but I had to do what it took. I had to do whatever it took to raise them the right way. And so as a result, they're all working in the ministry. Everybody is, has a job there. And even my young, all of my kids, we have a school. All of the kids go to school there. So they all learn the word and all a part of our lives, which is just such a wonderful, wonderful family life that I thank God for that everybody can have. If they decide, I just want to please God no matter what and take the, the things that we will come against you. Just know that it's part of the warfare that you're going through. And as you do that, you know you're going to get through all of this. 
So this, that's the training of the children. Now, there's always something in the Bible for everybody. There's stuff for the singles. I mean, uh, sometimes people will criticize people and then make them think something is wrong with them or they will accuse them of maybe being gay or something because they decide to stay single. Don't let anybody put you in that bag because uh, the Bible says the, oh, what is it? I know that. Uh, says the, oh, somebody tell me that word. The, the, un, the unmarried, the unmarried cared for the things of the Lord. So you can do anything better than that than care for the things of the Lord. If you don't, if you don't want to get married and you can uh, find a plenty to do and you can, uh, it's nothing wrong with that. So don't let anybody put you in a bag and tell you you're something else that you're not. You serve God. I mean, uh, thank God there's, there's so much stuff to do in the body of Christ. You would never, never, never be bored. Just, just, just helping people. So I would just do what, in fact, just look straight ahead. Don't take all kinds of stuff that people bring your way. It's not for you. You trust God. That's, my, that's, that's my, one of my other uh, main verses. Trust the Lord with all your heart and don't listen to other people. Listen to him. And, he, and uh, so it's a wonderful time to uh, care for the things of the Lord. And care for the things of the Lord is like caring for his people, being able to be available to help. We always need help in church. And uh, so sometimes, you, you, don't, you know, we don't have enough people to serve. But some people, they just say, I just want to go in church. I want to get the word and go out. Well, you're not a blessing to anybody. So I don't know how you think you can just take the word and not do anything else. But anyway, think about that. And I know you have wonderful, wonderful, wonderful servants here that help. And that's, that's a real blessing to pastors. Okay, and so finally, okay, a few minutes. Finally, um, uh, go to, um, well, let me give the singles a couple of scriptures. Go to Matthew 6, 33. And I give this to uh, unmarrieds, too, that really, uh, you know, a lot of the women more than men, I think, always feel that they're not fulfilled until they get a husband. But let's do it God's way first. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So if you seek the kingdom first, whatever you need, it'll be added to you. Just be busy about taking care of God's business. It's a, and that's a lot to do. And 30, uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is what I give to women sometimes that believe for a husband and look like the husband's never going to come. And, and, and I feel bad with him, but I'm not God, so I would give him a husband if I could, but I can't do it. So <laughs> That's okay. So, so I try to encourage them that way. Get busy helping. I, I, I'm going to tell you this one story about a young lady at our church. She was uh, helping with the kids, and we always need help. She was helping, and this uh, young man, he had two kids, and he wasn't married. But he saw her so busy helping with, the, with his kids. They were getting ready to go on a field trip, and he saw her doing this, and he said to himself, she will make a good wife. So he ended up meeting her, and uh, like I said, I always make a joke. I said, he met her, they married and they lived happily ever after. So what they did, they had two more children and they raised those children and just was a beautiful, beautiful family. So you don't know where God's gonna have you or if you wanna make you, get busy serving God and not looking for somebody. Don't put your eyes on somebody and claim them like people used to do so many times. Well, I claim him. He says, I don't know nothing about you. So just, <laughs> you, 
So keep your eyes on God. And I remember another, see my time, another couple, they were working together in the church. This, and this um, lady was coming, and her husband did not like Apostle Price for some reason. He was Dr. Price back there, Pastor Price. She didn't like him. He didn't, he didn't like him. And so, but she wanted to serve her church. So anyway, something happened. He died. God didn't kill him, but he, anyway, he died. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so she ends up coming on so she could serve her church like she wanted to. And as she's busy serving, there was a gentleman there serving too. And he said the same thing. She'll make a good wife. And so they got married too. Live happily ever after. So don't, don't, don't try to pick out where your blessings is coming from. Just trust God. And so finally, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It's one of my favorites. I'm going to quote it. Write it down. I'm going to, I'll quote these. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 18. And 1 John 5, 4. So I'm going to quote those. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation, trial, or test taken you, but such as is common to man. But it goes on to say, But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, try to test it above that you are able, but will with that temptation, trial, or test make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So when I was going through my worst, when I was going through the cancer and didn't know how I was going to come out of it, I would say, I'm still here, so I guess I can bear it. And sure enough, I came through it. That was one of the scriptures I used. Then James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, 2 to 4 says, to count it all joy. He didn't say that it was joy. He said, count it all joy when you fall into to temptation, diverse temptations, trials, or tests. When you fall into these temptations, trials, or tests, it goes on to say, knowing this. You have to know this. If you don't know this, it's not going to be joy. And he didn't say it was joy anyway. He says, count it as joy. That means act like it's, go, act like it's joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials, or tests, knowing this. You have to know this, that the trying or proving of your faith worketh patience, but to let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So you're building up perseverance. So count it all joy when you're going through this. It's not always the easiest thing in the world to go through. I've been kind of on this pain thing for a year and a half. It's not fun. And I, I talk to God about it, but I say, you know, and you like me better than I like myself, so I'm going to keep going. Anyway, Second Corinthians 4.18, this was another one that I looked at, that I went, used when I went through some of these things that I'm going through. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, don't look at what you're going through right now, but at the things which are unseen. And that's what the Word of God says. But because the things which are seen, they are temporal or temporary. But the things which are unseen, they're eternal. So look at God's word again and stand on God's word. God's word is life. It's alive. And then 1 John 5, 4 says, Whatsoever or whosoever is born of God, and that's all of us, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So I leave these words with you. Walk in your faith. You will not be disappointed. And we know that faith is faith in God's word. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by what we believe, and we believe God. So thank you very much. Thank you.